Hey, 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 you guys. Thank you all so much for being back on Black Canvas. We are, of course, still in season eight, and I have another amazing guest on the show. His name is Matthew Thomas. He is a singer-songwriter from the suburbs of Chicago. Having lived in Indiana since 2006, though he considers himself an adopted Hoosier. His debut EP, Mustangs and Thoroughbreds Volume 1, released in October of 2021. The project gives voice to the tension between the people we are and the people we aspire to be. It's an invitation to be honest about where you're at, but to not settle for what's comfortable. Leaning on the musicianship and production of his friends, the EP was recorded at Stillwater Studios in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and produced by Stephen West. In addition to being a verified artist on the critically acclaimed custom song website, Songfinch, Matthew was the grand prize winner of the L. Johnson Songwriter Competition at the 2022 Wildflower Arts and Music Festival in Richardson, Texas. And I'm just so excited related to have Mr. Matthew Thomas here with us on Black Canvas. Thank you so much for being here. Bro, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm really honored that you reached out. I love uh, what you're doing with the platform and I'm excited to get to have a conversation with you today. Well, I'm definitely excited because I found you on Instagram and I want you to kind of talk more about what we discussed a little earlier before the episode started today, you guys, we kind of talked briefly about how I found Matthew online. So Matt, do you mind kind of sharing with the listeners more about that interaction? Yeah, I would love to. So we all know that a lot of times you throw stuff out there on the, the great giant machine that is the internet and, um, you just never know who it's going to uh, connect with or land with. And so selfishly, I'm glad that there was something that you saw that seems <laughs> mildly interesting. Um, and the, the video specifically that you were referencing was um, a song that I had written for uh, this company that I work for called Song Finch. And essentially Song Finch is a custom song creation company they've got over 1500 artists and singer songwriters on their roster and anybody can go buy and order a custom song so you know a lot of what i see is weddings birthdays anniversaries sometimes it's just because um and so people essentially kind of give me a snapshot of what they want the song to be about and i mean bro i've seen some really uh cool just like unique storylines where I had to figure out how do I work the names of five grandkids into this verse um and it's really cool to feel like you know I'm doing my best to underscore a moment that hopefully is meaningful for um whether it's a couple or a family and this platform was kind of recommended to me months ago by a friend of mine who's a, a producer down in um the Nashville area and the reason it was so interesting is because, you know, it's pretty rare um, in a streaming world for artists that aren't 
super well known or charting or touring nationally to really make a whole lot of money from their songs on streaming platforms. And so there's kind of this, there's this new wave of independent um, musicians that are kind of in a middle class. And a lot of people, myself included, aren't necessarily trying to make it. They're just trying to sustain their, you know, pay their bills and and have the life that they want. And so Songfinch has been just kind of a game changer for me, honestly. And it's allowed me to to fund the creation of my music, but also get to develop and grow as a songwriter. And um, so, yeah, who knew that when I shared a, a video about a, a song I'd written for a proposal that, that you would see that and reach out and here we are. So let's shout out Songfinch. I think that is such a great platform. I was watching, I think it was Short Tank, if I'm not mistaken. It was Short Tank, and it had something. Was this the same company that was on Short Tank? Do you know? That's a great question, and I am not sure. Okay, because I remember something on Shark Tank that was very similar, and they were writing songs um, just based on those experiences. And I, I just fell in love with that, and I'm not sure. So if I'm wrong, you guys, it's okay. I mean, but I definitely fell in love with your voice, but I love the message behind that because I think for a lot of people, it can be great for closure. It can be great for a beginning stage of a relationship. Um, it can be a great birthday present, you know, anniversary present because it's coming from the heart. And then with someone like Matt, who really has a way of connecting with others, it's a way for people to say, hey, this is an artist that I want to get to know more about. And it, it's a great kickstart. I always like to say, you know, there's many ways that you can be seen in this industry, but if you're doing it for the right reasons and people connect with you, you can get a new fan base that you didn't even know existed. So I loved it. Yeah, no, that's super well said. I think kind of in response to that, it has been, it's been humbling because I think a lot of artists, admittedly, you're thinking about what am I creating? What am I sharing? But I'm in it for the long haul, right? And so Songfinch has given me the opportunity to um, pursue the creative stuff that I love without feeling the pressure of, oh my gosh, like, am I going to make it work financially? And I think, you know, money and the pursuit of it can can sort of alter the creative pursuit a little bit. And, and it's a real thing. But I think to your point, um, it has just opened up this outlet for songwriters to do something that they're good at for other people and have it be valued and um yeah i'm i'm excited to be a part of their team for sure absolutely so matt speaking of songwriting and amazing music we're going to kind of talk about some songs that you definitely know and i created some questions that i thought would be really cool for people to kind of get to know more about you so if you're ready i'm going to ask you these questions and i want your first rapid response to each question if you can Let's jump in, dude. All right. So the first one, let's talk about heritage. So can you tell our listeners about growing up in your hometown and what are some of the things that you're the most proud of as it relates to your heritage? Yeah, absolutely. I grew up in a small town outside of Chicago, uh, northwest suburb, and lived in pretty much the same house my entire life. My folks are actually still in that same place. And so I was really fortunate to 
have the stability that came with being rooted in, in one spot for so long. And so I think for me, a big value that was imparted to me just based off of how I grew up was community and relationships and family. And um, it's not that you can't have that if you move around, but for me, it, it certainly made it a lot easier. And so some of my earliest memories are um, playing music with some of my closest friends uh, just because it was fun and just because we loved it. And, and I was able to do that with some of the same people for so long um, because of just the, the consistency that our home life brought us. And I think there were times when I felt like almost like I was sort of apologizing to other people for, you know, my, my roots and my heritage and growing up in the suburbs, there's a sleepiness that comes with that, uh, a bit of a monotony, I think, where you maybe idealize or romanticize other upbringings and other, um, other places, you know, whether it's city life or rural, right, rural life. Um, but I think heritage specifically the, the, the song and the place that that came from for me was just really owning my story um, and not apologizing for it because we've all come from somewhere and, and really like until we dig deep into um, our own story and like where we've been, I think it can be challenging. And I know it has been for me to like fully move forward um, as a, as a person, you know? And so I think we all have those things in our past that we maybe wish were different. Um, but those are the things that make us what we are today, who we are today. And so I would say, man, I, I'm most proud of just the the way that my parents held space for me growing up and just sort of my experience as a kid, especially as I started to get into music more. Um, you know, I did sports and music. And then as I grew older, it was like, okay, I can't, I can't do it all. And I was a little better at music. And um, I remember the day when my dad and I went to a local guitar center and he, <laughs> you know, he was on my on the phone with my mom for an hour trying to decide if they wanted to invest in thousands of dollars of like recording equipment for me as this teenager budding songwriter who just kind of had a some natural skills but like at the time we had no idea that I would be doing it for a living someday and so I think I'm grateful for their willingness to invest in me not just financially but relationally and you know to anybody listening, I think we all know the power of when people believe in us and tell us that our voice matters. Um, and so I hope that I'm able to continue that legacy um, for the people in my life, too. I think you are, Matt. And I love that you said owning your story. I feel like as a musician, as an artist, as entrepreneurs, um, when we start to think of owning just that authentic authenticity, I'm sorry, within ourselves, we can actually find um, the happiness that we are thriving for in each experience. And I, I will say definitely with the music career um, that a lot of people go on that journey as being an independent artist and you hear a lot of artists saying, I just want to be able to be signed to a record label. And sometimes, you know, there's a lot of scrutiny that's associated because you can get locked into contracts or things that may not be the type of music you would like to relate to your your fans and so I would say like owning your story being yourself um going through it in a way that works the most authentic for you is so important 
And I think it helps with songwriting because when you're actually in a stable place and when you have support and people who are actually giving you honest, constructive feedback, you can go back and, and listen to your music and say, you know what, I, that's where I was then. And I'm in a different state now. And it doesn't mean the music wasn't great. It just means that you're starting to evolve and you're learning more about yourself through these experiences. And that's why I love, you know, you working with that company because you get an opportunity to hear people and where they are and their challenges. And you just are playing that small, minute role, but it makes a big impact down the line because it's something that people can keep forever and listen back to over and over again and knowing that you gave your heart and soul and almost your heritage into their their own heritage as well. Yeah, I think that's really well said, man. I think, you know, you said kind of the evolution of who we are along the way, like songs have a way of helping me discover who I am. And they also have a way of helping me remember who I am. And so I do try to inject as much of that humanity into the songs that I write for other people um, because there is a a transcendent power in music to sort of um, spur us on to like be better versions of ourselves, but also help us be like, okay, with who we are too. And um, I think that's selfishly, that's, that's why I love getting to do it for sure. I love that, man. And that's what I've been getting into actually myself, a lot of songwriting for artists. So there's a lot of people I've talked to on this podcast and I've been working with a few of the artists of just coming up with creative ideas because I want to pay it forward. I feel like, you know, that's not a career I want to choose for myself. I love doing what I do professionally as a counselor and helping people in that way. And then I love writing books and doing the podcast because those are the three avenues I feel like I'm the most connected but I've just found such joy in writing lyrics and doing stuff that I never thought I would actually do. And that people are giving me really positive feedback on, Hey, that was something, you know, that you were able to make. And I've actually been able to use it as a song or an idea. And so it's really cool. Um, I feel like there's room at the table. That's a phrase I use a lot for all of us to, to support each other and see us all win. And it doesn't mean that just because someone is, selling millions that they're any better or worse than the next person that we all can still gain a lot of insight through our experiences. 100% dude. And I I think what you do and just sort of the lane that you're in um, epitomizes what I see a lot of other people embracing as independent artists in whatever field they're in. And that is just like collaboration over competition. And so props to you for, uh, creating space at the table for so many people myself included i appreciate that man yeah i love that phrase you need to definitely trademark that if it hasn't been trademarked i want matt to trademark that (laughs) i'll hop online when we're done and see what i can do there we go so i have another question for you the next one is long way home so if you have the opportunity to tour in any part of the world for at least one month what country, city, or state would you choose and why? That's tough. And I'm not a big, like, favorites guy just because it's hard for me to, I feel like I could see um, myself answering that in a lot of different ways. But if I had to boil it down, I would love to play in the UK uh, at some point and do a run of shows over there. You know, who even knows how how that would happen? But I think... Uh, I like being in other cultures that 
I feel a little bit unfamiliar, but I do think that the fact that they speak the same language for the most part um, would make just like communicating with fans and people uh, a little bit easier. Um, kind of tying it back to heritage, um, a lot of my heritage is like Eastern European and a little bit of German. And so I do think I would have to shout out Germany as well. Um, that's always had kind of a part of my heart, but getting to play anywhere in the UK would be a blast. It, there's such a rich heritage of music over there. Um, and I think people are like really invested in artists and bands and, um, and not just consumed with individual songs and playlists that I could see that being a really, a really cool uh, across the pond experience. I agree with that. I've talked to a few artists from the UK and they have been some of the nicest people that I've, I've actually talked to. Um, one of my favorite is Mika Miller. If I'll send that to you later after we're done with this um, podcast so you can kind of listen back to that episode. And I think if I remember it was at the end, the close to the end of season four or five, but I just loved talking with her because she just gave me a lot of hope and just hearing her story and what she experienced, what she stood for. It just was something I was like, wow. And I told her, I was like, I want to move to the UK. I'm like, this is like really cool. But she was amazing for sure. I'll have to go check that out for sure. You've got quite the, uh, quite the library of, of episodes to dig through. Oh, it's, it's, it's a library for sure. <laughs> So Matt, um, tell me about co-headlining. So if you could headline in the UK, who would you actually want to perform with? Yeah, it's funny you ask that. I think this sort of ties it in well because Marcus Mumford of Mumford and Sons just came out with, he released a solo record. Um, and I've been listening to it off and on over the last week or so. I'm always really interested to hear what, front men or, you know, kind of primary songwriters do when they're outside of their band context. Um, it's the reason I love George Harrison so much from the Beatles uh, when he finally stepped out and started to write for himself. It was like, oh, this is like what he is choosing to do without any outside influence. So I think the combination of the UK, um, really enjoying just kind of following the journey of Mumford and Sons, I think it would be I think it'd be a blast to do something with a guy like Marcus just because they're a huge name and he's super connected but um I think his songs just have a humanity in them that has just stayed really grounded and um and real and raw and I just really appreciate that and if I'm not mistaken I think the album was it called self-titled if I'm not mistaken yeah yep that's what it's called Okay, I was trying to remember because I remember the song Grace. I mean, that was one I really liked. And I think Better Off High was another one that I remember. I'm trying to go back in my mind. Yeah, those are both on there. Okay, see, my my brain is still there somewhat, you guys. You got it. You got it. <laughs> but yeah, I love, love his voice for sure. All right, so Matt, I have another question for you. The next one is Bloom. So if you had to choose which area of music do you feel you have made the most improvement on since your first studio recording? So this can mean like in the production value, um, your vocal composition, what would you say is the area that you have improved on the most as, a, as an artist? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I think I would break it into two categories, um, production and songwriting. So, you know, like anything, the more you do it, potentially the more you fail, right? But the more you learn what works and what doesn't. Um, On the production side, I feel like I've gotten really good at uh, creating a solid demo where, you know, I'm obviously programming fake drums and I'm not going to do... I'm not going to have 50 tracks of instruments um, really just enough to communicate the heart of the song. The way the process works with my producer and I is I'll get the demo probably 70% there. And then I kind of send it to him and we'll go into the studio with that roadmap and then give ourselves a little bit of breathing room to still see like what happens in the moment. And um, I've tried to hold those things loosely too uh, as well. So I would say, I feel like I've gotten better at um, not over producing a song too soon um, and being able to hold certain things loosely because there's a magic that happens with other people in the studio, other musicians that are specialists in ways that I'm not, um, that I think is really like powerful. And um, I, that used to th- threaten me and, you know, and I was probably insecure and just wanted to do my thing, but um the songs that I've put out uh, over the last year and even the ones that I'm working on now are so much better because of the collaborative side. So I think I've just found myself being more open to that. And the demo is, is a demo for a reason. And then you, you build on that and make it better. Um, so that's the production side. I think that I feel like I've um, made some improvements in and then songwriting. Um, I would say I've learned not to settle for um, melodies or lyrics that I know could be more to the point or um, more moving. And so a lot of it is just, I'm an impatient person. And so I want, I want to be able to sit down and start a song and finish a song and move on. But the thing that's helped me is just living with it for a certain period of time and, and really giving a song enough time to know, do I put it for lack of a better metaphor, do I put it at the pasture and move on or, or do I run with it? And um, so a lot of it's volume, you know, the more you write, the the more stuff that is worth uh, pursuing and keeping, but yeah, nothing is, nothing is sacred, but everything is sacred. Right. And so I, I feel like I don't have kids right now, but all these songs feel like musical versions of my kids. And sometimes I have to um, like understand that even though I might be emotionally attached to it, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to be something that I record and release. And um, so it's an interesting balance, but I feel like I've just gotten better at quality over quantity uh, when it comes to songwriting and a lot of that has been helped by just writing all the time for song Finch and knowing that people don't want a, a five minute novel, you know, and um, packing all that into a finite period of time is a, is a unique challenge, but it's, it's one that I've learned to enjoy. And when you were mentioning that, it reminded me of an artist that I really love, which is um, his name is Sean Kennedy. If you have heard of him, I mean, he is an amazing songwriter and singer but he does a lot of purposeful lyrics that I really love and his musical styling is just something that I'm a huge fan of 
And so I'm gonna sing you one of his songs too to kind of listen to. But when I listen to your lyrical content and how you perform, you kind of remind me a lot of just how much I really admire his music. And hopefully one day Sean will be on Black Canvas because I mean, that guy has such a beautiful voice. I haven't heard a voice like that in a while where you just can listen to anything he does and you just feel lost um, in pretty much in the music itself. And so, yeah, Sean Kennedy is amazing. He's definitely an artist that I've admired for a while. And I just like the direction his music has gone. And you can tell he has grown the same way you have as well, how music, you know, is supposed to transform over time, but you still keep the essence of who you are behind the music, which I think is great. I think you touched on a really good point too because it is you know you'd mentioned getting lost in his voice i think it is the the beauty of of music and of all good art is that you kind of find yourself lost in the experience and then like you said you start to pay attention to the details and dude i'm just glad you listened to the lyrics because i know that is probably not the case for for everybody so thank you for for going above and beyond oh no problem um that is something i've used as a counselor um, I used to do um, groups where I did like lyrical analysis and one of my favorite songs that I always would use and it's something that just gives me a lot of you know resiliency and power within myself is a song by Celine Dion called Courage and she wrote that song after her husband Renee passed away and the video is just heartbreaking it's just hard to watch it but I, whenever I did a a group on grief or talking about moving forward I would always play the song and I would print the lyrics out and have you know clients be able to underline or to highlight what things stood out to them in the song and one of the lyrics is this courage don't you dare feel me now I need you to keep away the doubt and it's just something that people don't understand like you, I think she said, staring at the face of someone new, you're all I have to hold on to. I'm paraphrasing. I think I have it correct because I don't have it in front of me. But wow. if you look at the, the content to that song and her voice, it just kind of just envelops like as she continues to move to the next stage. It reminds me of my heart will go on, but only in a different context because you can hear the hurt in her voice. But Celine Dion has always been a voice that I've admired. But it was that song, I was like, wow, how hard it was to go in the studio to sing this song. I don't know if she wrote the lyrics to it or not, but whoever wrote that, that's one of the best or most well-written songs I've ever come across in my life. I, I was like, this is, this speaks for volumes for people who have lost people close to them. And how do you find the courage to kind of move forward when you don't want to? That's so powerful, dude. And I love that you've been able to use that as a resource in your world too, um, just to remind people that they're not alone. And it sounds like it's given people some some good language to to process that stuff. I appreciate you for sharing that. Yeah, I, I stumbled across it actually one day on YouTube and I saw the video and I was like, whoa, this is too much. It was too emotional for me to handle. So then I found a lyric analysis one where I was able to kind of get through it that way. And then later on, when I was in the right state to kind of watch it again, I was in a different position of what she was expressing. And this is something I always like to tell even artists, as well as people, if this is your first time listening to the show, 
you know, there are going to be times where you hear something, it can trigger you, it can cause you to elicit an emotion that, that you didn't know was there. And it's okay to, to breathe into your feelings and to talk about them, but also to know when you need a break, you know, and I do believe in putting people or situations on do not disturb mode. Like you have to kind of just say, let me take a moment. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's something everyone who knows me, they know I say, I'll put you on airplane or do not disturb mode for a moment. So I can kind of work on me because if I'm not in the right state, then I won't be able to fully invest in what someone is saying and also being able to gain any type of insight to actively listen to what they're sharing with me as well. Yeah, dude, boundaries are, are healthy, but not easy for sure. It's definitely not easy. <laughs> so I love this one. The next one we have is canceled. So can you tell our listeners, what is your definition of the word love and how have you been able to spread love in a positive direction? Wow, that's, I don't know that I've ever been asked that question, but it does seem like it would be a pretty common one. Um, to me, I think at the heart of what it means to to love is to to serve and to surrender. I would say serving and surrender are two ideas that are probably somewhat counterintuitive to the culture that we live in that's very consumeristic and and me first and you know follow your heart and your dreams will come true. But I've just seen ways that um you know when I've been willing to lay my life down for somebody else and when other people have been willing to do that for me, there's there's this life that comes from death that I think um, is that's that part really is hard to put into words. And, um, you know, growing up in church and, and working at churches um, throughout the years, you know, there is a um, reality that uh, we're all broken people. But I think when I've seen um love modeled best it's been through people that are willing to serve and people that are willing to surrender and i think in doing that um we actually get a lot of the things that we're trying to hold on to back and um so i actually when i wrote the song canceled was sort of just inspired by this sign that i saw in someone's yard that said love is not canceled and this was in 2020 when you know we were all constricted to our our rooms and our screens and it was just we were connected online but also super disconnected and I I know I've listened to some of the other episodes that you have um, put out there and you know I love that your heart is to create space for inclusion and hearing other perspectives because it is easy to just shut people down because they're saying something that we don't understand Um, and I know I've been guilty of that too and so even the first verse just says, like, we try to block the noises out and surround ourselves with what we know. Um, and, you know, it's just this tendency that we all have that the second someone calls us out, you know, we poke all these holes in what they're saying because we don't like what they're hearing. And a lot of times I miss out on um, actually like the love that someone is trying to show me by them being truthful and sharing something that um, I maybe don't want to hear, but need to hear. And so I think, I think love is um, easy to talk about and hard to live out for sure. But um, when I've seen it 
modeled the most has been through things like serving and surrender and um, putting other people first. I love that you said that, Matt. I feel like there's so many different types of love out there. And from a biblical standpoint, people have heard of agape love before, which is kind of like the highest form of love, if people have heard that phrase before. But when you were mentioning that, Matt, it reminded me of a quote that I remember hearing. And it was it said, no cloud is dark enough to hide the sunshine forever. And it just reminds me there's times when we go through some of our darkest times and we just want to give up or we feel like no one understands or we're in a dark hole and we feel like we're sinking deeper. Um, one thing I used to always tell my clients, and this is something I do live by, is like if you're in quicksand and you're sinking, the way to get out of quicksand is to relax yourself and then have something or someone help get you out of that hole. And a lot of times when we are so used to fighting, the harder we fight, the deeper we can sink. But if we can know what we're actually fighting for, who's actually there to help get us to the next level, then we're not doing it alone. And for many people who have a very spiritual religious background, you know that there, there's something greater than you that can be there to support. But we also have free will and we have choice and we get to decide to what extent we're, we're willing to ask for help. And then also what are some things that we can do on our own that we don't need as much of a crutch that sometimes we can allow that to kind of dictate our future. And so I came up with another podcast that I just started a few days ago and I'm co-hosting it with, with one of my guests that I had on the show, um, Dorian, and we decided to start something new, which is going to be called Embracing Your Love Marks. And I'm going to really talk more in depth about that um, in the next couple of weeks. But the one thing I love about this show is that we're going to talk about mental health and wellness and and self-love and new discoveries and dealing with traumas and experiences that most podcasts are not really sharing in a positive way. And I feel like that is what we need to hear and see, especially with all the things going on around the world at this time, that we need to sit back and discuss things, but also be respectful of the opinions and decisions and suggestions of others and still be able to learn even when someone is completely different from you and you may not agree with what they're saying, you know, we can still step out on our own belief system and still grow from our differences. So starting this show, I'm just very excited. I, I don't know, Matt, sometimes I'm like, Jerry, you have two shows. Why are you doing a third one? But this one I'm only going to do like once a month. But I told Dorian I wanted to help kind of give him this platform as well, that it'll be his main show but I'll just come in and give, you know, feedback and support. But um, yeah, I came up with this title, Embracing Your Love Marks, because I feel like this might be something that the world needs to hear and that we can start learning to hold each other accountable, but also love each other through the pain instead of just discarding people and judging people for situations we really don't fully understand. That's so good, dude. I'm really excited for you guys to to dig into that. And I think you're right. There is a tension for sure between taking responsibility for uh, our actions, but also giving ourselves grace. And, and a lot of times that does happen through just community and conversations with, with other people. You know, it's when we isolate ourselves that um, we, we can forget who we are and also who we aren't. And so, um, yeah, it sounds like you just, you've got enough uh, 
inspiration and drive, you know, to continue to help connect the dots for people um, through this platform. And so uh, good luck with all that, man. That's exciting. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, I'm really excited about this journey because I started actually Black Canvas talking more mental health and wellness in my first maybe 40 or 50 episodes for sure. It was just that was all the direction. And I've kind of, you know, gone in different directions as relates to the show. But I wanted to do something just specifically catered to this. And so this is going to be fun. And it's a new journey for me because I've never done any co-hosting with anyone. So I'm like, this is definitely not going to be like The View. <laughs> it's going to be something totally different. But <laughs> I said it'll, it'll be fun for people to just kind of laugh and hopefully learn more about me and my journeys and my experiences. And then I can be here to support someone and being able to talk openly about their their traumas and experiences in a healthy way. So I'm really excited about this one for sure. All right, Matt. So we got another question for you um, out of my head. So do you ever deal with any type of stage fright when you perform? And, it, and if you do, Ashley, have stage fright, how do you get through it? And if you don't actually deal with stage fright, can you tell us how do you remain confident when you're performing? Yeah, so it's funny that you uh, connected the, the dots to that song. Um, I wrote a song on my last EP called Out of My Head and um, the chorus just is simply a reminder to myself and to get out of my head and into my heart and um, to like the face that I see in the mirror and to, to live from a place of acceptance of who I am. And so I, I did a handful of house shows this past summer and um, I strategically have been starting those shows with the song out of my head, primarily because it's like my way of doing that and like living it out. And so to answer your question, yes, I think the smaller, more intimate the audience, the more tendency there is for me to experience nerves and anxiety because there's nowhere to hide. And, and you also don't have a wall of applause in between every song that can, you know, cover any insecurities. Um, so that song ironically ended up being a really cool way for me to just like have that tool in my tool belt and sing it for myself. And, um, you know, my wife and I would joke, she, she plays piano as well. And, so she played with me for these shows and it was kind of just like this little personal nugget of uh yeah just ammunition that we had to to move into the rest of those shows with some confidence and with some um yeah just excitement and because inevitably there's something's gonna go wrong and uh you're gonna have to find a way to not let it derail you um I've been reading, working my way through slowly but surely Bruce Springsteen's memoir, Born to Run. And I, one of the things that he says, just talking about his upbringing in Jersey and playing in, you know, bar bands and um, trying to figure out what his lane was. He talks about essentially how strange it is when you're performing to actually think about what you're doing. Because the second you start thinking about what you're doing is when you stop doing the best job that you can. You know, you had talked about earlier how some songs you just lose yourself in that moment. And I think for listeners and fans, as well as for artists and performers, there's this ability to 
lose yourself in the moment while still staying on point, you know, um, technically that, um, really does allow you to enjoy the fullness of, you know, an experience like live music. So for me, whenever I catch myself thinking about what I'm doing, I try to just shake myself out of that mindset and, and find somebody in the room who looks like they're enjoying themselves and think about what I'm singing and just get back to the heart of it. Um, but that, that song specifically uh, has been kind of a nice just reminder for me to have at the beginning of each show. And um, typically after that, I feel like I'm able to keep going and um, just be present. I like that. And I'm a big person that loves to use like daily mantras. And so one thing I always remind myself when I'm using the I statement, I normally start with saying today I affirm. And so I can say today I affirm that I'm capable of handling anything that comes my way. That can be one example, or I'm optimistic, or I'm ready, or I'm strong. You know, these are just some examples of, you know, affirmations that have worked for me. And many times our mind goes into the glass being half empty or half full, and I've learned that it's refillable. Like we get to choose what we're going to put into that cup to either get it to the level where we would like, or we get to maybe allow our pessimistic attitude to affect where we're going. And one thing we can't do is run from ourselves. Like we're here, we have to be able to get to a point of accepting those parts that we're uncomfortable with, but it also means that we have to be emotionally aware of what we're putting out there that can cause discomfort um, or the people we surround ourselves who may say negative things that can cause downing beliefs or that we start labeling ourselves based on what we see others doing. And so I I try to start my day at least with one mantra and hoping that as the day continues, I can remind myself, you made it through today. Another day, you you woke up this morning when someone else wasn't given that privilege to to do so. So sometimes we have to just kind of take those little wins and, and little gifts and moments and relishing that and not getting so consumed in what we have expected or what we do expect from others and ourselves. Man, that's so good. I, I'm totally going to steal that uh, idea of the, the glass being refillable because I've never heard that before. And I think that um, it's true. You know, something can happen that you didn't expect and then you can kind of choose, right? Like we have agency, how you respond to some of those things. And um I'm, that's going to be something that I, that'll be one of my mantras each day uh, moving forward is the glass is refillable. Awesome. I'm excited. Take it. You can have it. (laughs) Cause I feel like that just goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like there's room at the table. It's the same difference. The cup can continue to grow. Um, One of my favorite um, videos I saw online was with um, Pastor T.D. Jakes. And he was talking to Oprah Winfrey and they discussed about um, how we're all 10 gallon people and that we have family and friends or people around us who only have one pint capacity, but they can only give you so much. And if they're giving you all that they have, then we have to be able to accept that's what they've given us, but that we can find our other pints to make our 10 gallons in other ways. And so that's what you're doing in music. You're being able to find those other pints and you're being able to place pints in people's lives where we can actually get to that point where we can 
can be excited for what we've done. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in just doing the right thing for you and paying it forward and doing altruistic things and just being aware of your intention behind what you're doing and the people you surround yourself with because energy to me is more important than time. And I've always said that is if the energy is off, the time is, is going to be off as well. And so when we are actually aware of how we're investing our energy instead of spending our energy and our time, we can really start to make headway in our careers and in our personal life. So Matt, you can take that with you and hopefully you can pass it on to someone else. Yeah, dude, I love that. All right, so Matt, I only have one question for you left. I'm going to combine it the last part. So can you tell our listeners where can they find you online? And the second part of that question is, what's next for you? That way we can follow you and support you in your career. Totally. Yeah, no, this has been fun, man. Um, I, I'm grateful, again, uh, that you that you reached out. Um, I'm always happy to link arms with other creatives that are, um, you know, running in their lane. And, um, I think, uh, we're all, um, more sort of in step with each other than we realize sometimes, but as far as, um, yeah, ways to follow me. So Matthew Thomas official is my handle on social media. So Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, uh, and matthewthomasmusic.com is the website. Um, those are probably the primary places that I kind of am active. And then um, as far as what's next, I have sort of been in the process of recording and preparing to release new music next year. Um, you know, we live in a world of like just constant output of, you know, new music and Discover Weekly and, um, a lot of times the only way that you stay in front of people is just by being consistent. And so one of the things that I'm trying to do differently uh, with my release next year is to just do singles that are maybe a month or so apart and gives me a chance to highlight individual songs a little bit longer um, and just have fun with it. Honestly, a little bit more. Uh, I think one of the mistakes I made last year um, with my previous EP was I just released it all at once and it was great. Um, and I, I'm really proud of the songs, but it was kind of like, well, what am I going to do between now and the next time I release music? So I'm just trying to be, yeah, more thoughtful about the the journey and the way people consume new music. And so be looking for um, a single called first things first, that'll come out at the end of January and um, we'll just keep building from there. Well, Matthew, I'm just so excited. Like, this has been a pleasure to have you on the show and to learn more about you and just for you to just be open and honest about your life and things you're wanting for yourself. I think you're going to help inspire so many younger and older audience members to, to know that it's you're never too old or too young to grow and to find the experiences and the people that are going to help you to move forward in, in that journey. It reminds me of a quote that Andy Warhol had mentioned, and he said, the idea is not to live forever, but to create something that will. And I feel like with your music and your life and your career, you're creating something that would definitely live for a lifetime. Man, that's super kind of you. I've never heard that quote before, but I'm going to I'm going to hang on to it because I think you're right. I think that's that's the goal. 
Absolutely. And Matt, thank you for being here on the show. And let's remember you guys to embrace our uniqueness because the world is our canvas. Well, Matt, this has been a great opportunity for me to, to just have fun talking to you for an hour, just sharing this experience. I would love to have you back. If you ever want to perform on my second podcast, Space Between, um, just reach out to me in the future and I would love to have you perform some songs. And then if you ever want to get more in depth into more discussions about just life, love, um, traumas, experiences, grief, whatever it is you want to talk about, embracing your love marks will be starting up very soon with special guests on the show. And I would love to at least have you on at least one of those months to tell your story as well. But I wanted to support you the best I can. I would love that, man. Let's make it happen. All right, Matt. Well, thank you so much. And I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk soon. All righty. Okay, bye. Peace. Thank you.